Hey friends, happy Magical Monday. I'm Courtney. And I'm TJ. And this is another episode of the Witch Upon a Sparks <laughs> podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yes, we're so happy that you're here today. Um, yeah, once again, this is our favorite time of the week where we get to record and talk about... Um, you know, another awesome Disney movie. Courtney, what are we talking about today? We're talking about The Incredibles. Yeah, this is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Yeah. Super right. Yeah, super good. Um, it's one of my favorites, one of your favorites. This is a fun one for us because it's a movie that we've both seen a lot. So when we went to go watch it, we were just really pumped. Just to even just sit down and watch the movie was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it so, was for uh, sure. Cool. How about I click, kick us off with the uh, plot summary? Sounds good, yo. <laughs> no, this is going to be fun. Okay. On the day of his <laughs> wedding with uh, Helen Chuax, alias Elastigirl, uh, superhero Bob Parr, alias Mr. Incredible, rescues a suicidal civilian from jumping off a skyscraper by tackling him through a window where he finds supervillain Bon Voyage robbing it, but is interrupted by his devoted fanboy, Buddy Pine, who yearns to be his sidekick, Incrediboy. Bob pulls a bomb off Buddy that Bomb Voyage attaches to him, but it destroys an L train track, injuring a train's passenger when Bob saves them. After marrying Helen, Bob is sued for collateral damage by the suicidal civilian and train passengers. Similar lawsuits spread to other superheroes, turning public opinion against them, and the government initiates the superhero relocation program, forcing supers, as they're called, to adhere to their secret identities and abandon their exploits. Fifteen years later, Bob and Helen live with their children, Violet, Dash, and baby Jack-Jack in Metroville. Although he loves his family, Bob resents the mundanity is that, is that how you say that word? Okay. of his suburban lifestyle and job as a claims adjuster. Um, and Moonlight as a vigilante with his best friend, Lucius Best, a.k.a. Frozo. Um, after Bob is fired for assaulting his supervisor, who prevented him from stopping a mugging, a woman named Mirage secretly offers him a mission to subdue a savage giant robot called the Omnidroid on Nomanism. And that sounds fine. Yeah, that would be my guess in the pronunciation. Island. It's, a, it's an island. <laughs> um, Bob succeeds by tricking the machine into ripping out its own power source. Rejuvenated by the action and higher pay, Bob improves his relationship with his family and trains to get back in shape while awaiting another assignment from Mirage. He visits superhero costume designer Edna Mode when he discovers a tear in his old suit. Incorrectly assuming Helen knows of Bob's new job, Edna makes suits for all the pars. Back on... Nomenison, whatever how you pronounce the island, Bob discovers Mirage is working for Buddy. Um, now wealthy and calling himself Syndrome, he has invented many devices that mimic superpowers. Um, seeking revenge after being rejected by Bob, he has been perfecting the Omnijoy by hiring many superheroes to fight it, killing them in the process. That was kind of dark. Yeah. Um, Syndrome intends to send a, uh, a rebuilt Omnijoy to Metroville, where he will secretly manipulate its controls to defeat it publicly and be seen as a superhero himself. He then plans to sell his inventions to the world to make the term super irrelevant. Helen visits Edna and learns what Bob has been up to. To find Bob, Helen activates a beacon, like combing device, Edna built into the suits, inadvertently causing Bob to be capturable infiltrating Syndrome's base. Um, Helen borrows a private plane to fly to the island. Violet and Dash stow away, leaving Jack-Jack with a babysitter. Despite knowing the children are on the plane, Syndrome 
shoots it down with missiles, but Helen and the kids survive and make it to the island. Disillusioned with Syndrome's indifference when her life was threatened, um, Mirage releases Bob and informs him of his family's survival. Syndrome Syndrome's guards pursue Dash and Violet, who fight them off with their powers and reunite with their parents. Syndrome imprisons the family while he follows the Omnidroid to Metroville. The Pars escape to Metroville with Mirage's help. True to its self-learning programming, the Omnidroid shoots Syndrome's remote control off his wrist and knocks him unconscious. So basically, as he was fighting it, uh, the droid quickly figured out how to how to beat Syndrome um, and just started causing havoc. Yeah. The Pars and Lucius fight the Omnidroid. Helen and the kids retrieve the remote control, allowing Bob to destroy the robot's power source. Returning home, the Pars find Syndrome retaliating by abducting their kid, Jack-Jack, to raise as a sidekick, which is actually super, super, super mean. Um, as Syndrome flies away, Jack-Jack's own superpowers manifest, which he hasn't shown any superpowers the whole movie. Yeah. And they just come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like super crazy powerful. And he escapes Syndrome's... Um, Syndrome's grasp. Helen rescues the following baby, and Bob knocks Syndrome into his plane's engine, causing it to explode. Um, three months later, the Pars witness the arrival of supervillain the Underminer. They don their superhero masks and suits, ready to face a new threat together. And that'd be it. That'd be it. Wasn't there an end credit scene where it shows the babysitter calling them while they're like gone and being like, um, like, hey, Jack-Jack's doing some pretty weird stuff, guys. And then, like, it's... Oh, it actually shows. Because you can hear the voicemail. Yeah, that's what it is. To it. No, but that's on their way to the house. That's on their way to the house. But I think there's a scene at the end of the movie where they... Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I was not paying attention. I'm pretty sure. What are your initial thoughts? Um, I think this is a cute... I mean, it's a really good movie. I mean, I like the... How the family kind of comes together, and um, it's like cool to watch how um, something that was that they were forced to suppress for so long, like Bob and Helen, they had to suppress that the fact that they were supers for so long. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bob kind of found a way around it, but yeah, but he still couldn't like walk in its like forest. No. It was, and you can tell he like he always talks about the old days and how he misses the glory days and blah blah. And it's like sad because like he, you can tell that that's like his his identity is really wrapped up in Mister Incredible. Yeah, and so um, it's just is really sad. And but it's like that they had to suppress the that for a long time, but. It's, like, cool because, I mean, it comes still a second nature to them even 15 years later. Yeah. And now it's something they can experience with their kids because they don't have to hide it or be someone they're not anymore. They're able to walk in, like, their full identity. Yeah, I love that. I, I like the I love that you touched on that right out the gate. I think it's really cool that we had to, um, you kind of see that full, like, they, even as a young couple, like, um, you know, going bantering back and yeah. forth and then they get married and then everything happens. But you can tell that they love each other and they're very, very happy with their roles. Like Elastigirl yeah. loves being Elastigirl. He loves being Mr. Incredible. But she adjusts to the civilian life a little bit better than he does. Yeah. Like she's totally okay being um, Mrs. Mom, letting him go to work. Like she loves their family. He, he definitely loves the family. Like he loves his family. Yeah. But it just he, is harder for him. He hates his job. He hates he, it. He wants to be able to do what he's always done and love to do and he loves you can tell he really it comes from a place of like 
really wanting to help people. Yeah. Like he gets so mad when his boss is talking to him and won't let him like go save the mug, the, the guy that's getting mugged outside the window. And that's how he gets fired because he throws his boss through the wall. Like 12 walls. Like 12 walls because he's, <laughs> he's, he's super strong. strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was a cool journey if you watched them all the way through the movie. And then, like, the kids, like, they do a good job of, they don't really talk about it. Like, the kids make comments and stuff, like, oh, wow, like, look what mom can do. Like, look what, whatever. Yeah. But, like, you can just kind of tell the kids are in awe as, as their parents snap back into this superhero mode. Mm-hmm. And their parents are just kicking butt. Like, their mom's telling them what to do. He's telling them what to do. They're, like, they're they're breaking into buildings and they're going yeah. back and fighting this machine. And it goes from this this huge thing of where the, the parents are like, don't ever use your powers because people will see them. And then they're like, okay, well, I know we told you this this whole time, but, like, nah, if we're going to survive, you have to use your powers. I'm like, but we're not supposed to. And they're like, you gotta do, do it. it. You gotta, you gotta do, do it. it. And so it was a really cool transformation going through the movie. Um, let's go ahead and go out to get to our first question. Um, I can go first. You can go first. Doesn't matter. But who's your favorite character? Edna. Edna. <laughs> yeah, that is so on brand for you to pick Edna as your favorite character. <laughs> I wasn't. You caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, she's really funny with her like skinny cigarette stick, and she's like, "Yes, darling." Yes. Okay. You want to know a fun fact that I, would, I literally just learned? I would I'm love. looking at IMDb. I would love it. Okay. This is per IMDb. And I'm, so I'm sure it's real life. Oh, yeah, definitely. The guy that voices Edna is Brad Bird, who it says the director and writer is also Brad Bird. Oh, that's super cool. I love when directors do that. Like, Quentin Tarantino does that in a lot of his movies. He'll make, like, cameo appearances or he'll, like, do voice appearances in his movies. Even yeah. The director. I love that. I didn't know that. That's really cool. So the yeah. guy that was the uh, producer and the director. The writer and the, the writer director. The writer and the director also um, voiced Edna. Yeah. That's super cool. What was his name again? Brad Bird. I love that. I love that. My yeah. favorite character, Mr. Incredible. I love I'm not him. not surprised. I love him. Okay, I love that you say that. Why do? You, why are you not surprised that Mr. Incredible is my favorite character? I don't know. He just gives off very manly, man, masculine energy who loves to help people and loves to loves his family and I think that's very much like a reflection of you like you also are very masculine you like to do the manly things you love to work out you love to be strong and but you also care a lot about people and you care about your family definitely yeah I agree with you. I think that's definitely why I identify with him. He, um, watching him, every time we wa- I watch this movie or we watch this movie, um, he really speaks to me. Like, the, what he's going through is, like, not being able to walk in his full, uh, we'll call it a calling or whatever his full like, passion is. Yeah. He's, not, he's not able to walk in it. And um, the way that he, like, goes back to it, I think of, like, the whole time I'm watching him do this, I think of, the only thing I can think of is, like, music. Like, mm-hmm. if I wasn't able to play music, if I wasn't able to, you know, to, to do the thing that I really love more than most things that I'm capable of doing. Yeah. Um, it's really is my favorite thing to do is to play music and sing. If that got taken away from me, like, I think I would do what he did. Like, let's say, like, there was, like, a law that you couldn't be a musician anymore. I think I would, like, have a piano in, like, the shed in the backyard or a guitar, and I think I would, like, sneak out there at night and, like, really quietly try to play and then hope that nobody heard me, you know? Like, yeah. I just kind of think through that filter, and, like, that's what he was doing. And even Frozone, like, doesn't really want his friend, doesn't want to do it with him. But, no. like, but he's still at the same time. Like, you can tell Frozone misses it, too. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he, he really, really, really uh, speaks to me. Um, this is a pretty slam dunk one, in my opinion. But what's your least favorite character? Buddy. Yeah. Buddy sucks. Yeah, he's really annoying when he comes into the scene to be his sidekick. I will say, I think Mr. Incredible, I think Bob could have handled it better. He was very mean to him. And the kid just wanted to help. I'm giving it that. Like, the kid really did want to be a sidekick. Yeah, he just act like... 
I get it. If you're, he's like walking down the street and he'd like, almost like you would run into like a celebrity or something. Like, hey, I'm a really big fan of you. Like, blah, 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 blah. That's different. Super different than yeah. like randomly showing up while he's trying to literally fight. Save the city. Save the city. Fight crime. This, he was like, the bomb voyage was bombing a bank and he had like, you know what I mean? And then he put Mr. Credible in a really bad situation because he ended up getting a bomb attached to him. So Mr. Yeah. Credible had to save, try to save the building and save him, which is what led to the train getting exactly. blown up was because of Buddy. Because Mr. Credible had it under control. It had him captured. But then because Buddy showed up, even after he had told him not to on the street below like 10 yeah. minutes earlier. Yeah. Super frustrating. Yeah. So it just is like he was just trying to. And I understand like being a kid and like or even as an adult like having a dream having something that you really want to do something you're passionate about but you just have to go about it in the right there's always like a right way to do things and he just never did things the right way no he didn't and then it it, kind of keeps showing through though like he let that really get to him and we can go a lot deeper on his character when we get to themes but um what i really don't like about his character is that like even when you get that scene where like where like Mr. Incredible grabs Mirage and is about to crush her because he thinks his family's dead. And then he's like, go ahead, crush her. Like, you know, da 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 And then he lets her go and he's like, look at you. You're so, you're so weak. Even when you have nothing left to lose, you can't kill anybody. Yeah. But I think that showed the huge difference in Mr. Incredible versus Buddy who became Syndrome. So Mr. Incredible, even when he thought his family was dead and gone, he still made the right choice, the right decision. Yeah. Or like, and then Mirage even says to him when they get back, he's like, oh, I was just bluffing. And, she's, and she literally like steps towards him and gets in his face and says, next time you gamble with someone's life, make sure it's your own. Yeah. And then she walks away because he's selfish and he's just yeah, totally exactly. wrapped up in himself. So yeah, he's the worst character. I agree with you um, a thousand percent. Um, characters in general in this movie are just like ridiculously good. Like ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, I think I love Frozone too. Yeah, Frozone's fantastic. I love the role that he plays as his uh, as his best friend. Yeah. Um, it's like that superhero. Definitely not the sidekick. They're just two people that have superpowers, and they're just they work together from time to time, but they're not like sidekicks. They're just friends. No. Yeah. I like that. Um, the family's great. I, oh yeah. I love, I love the family. Dash. Yeah. He's my favorite. Probably like. Incredible, incredible family. Yeah. Family member. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really kind of have a soft spot for Violet a little bit. Um, and I also just really love Helen. I love Elastigirl. I think yeah. she's great. Um, she's super... Um, she just kind of... While he's while he's having his own crisis, she's holding the family together. And Even I, though she's like internally literally breaking... With the same things he is. Well, no, because he like... she. Oh, that's right. She thinks she he's thinks cheating. She thinks he's like cheating on her. She finds a piece of Mirage's hair. Yeah. She finds that his suit was like... Um, ripped and obviously repaired, so Edna had to do like she knew, like yeah, she started figuring things out. She started putting pieces together. She wasn't one hundred percent sure what was going on, so she like just went to a bad bad place mentally, which is very relatable. Yeah, for sure. And then there was a lack of communication. She didn't ask him. He didn't tell her, and then it just spiraled really quickly. Yeah, I mean, he did put her in a bad situation, or like because he lied to her. He didn't want to. He felt probably embarrassed about quitting his job he didn't want to have to tell her that they had to move again and remember because remember the guy's like all right i'll relocate you one more time for old time's sake and, and then he, bob says like, i can't 
I can't tell how long we have to move again. She's like, we've moved, we've moved eight times in the last three years or whatever it was. I, yeah. I, it's not the actual number, but it's something like that. And and she mentions it even when he comes home for dinner before that. She's like, we can't move again, Bob. Like, you have to hold it together. Yeah. Um, same thing with Dash. She's like, Dash, you have to, like, you can't act up in school. Like, we can't move again. Yeah. Because as soon as people figure out that they're superheroes. They're um, going to have to move. Yeah, they have to change their, they have to change their location. Which now, I thought about this, too, with him. Uh, I bet you the job that he has is not a job that he picked for himself. I bet the government picked it. Yeah. I guarantee. it's very, like, he works at an insurance corporation. Huge company. Huge company. Like, he's very... He, 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 if he would have just done his, like, check the boxes of his job, no one would probably ever know that he was there. Yeah. And I think that was the point. That was the point for the, uh, but they didn't understand. They, if I, and I thought, I actually thought about this a lot today before we started recording. I think if the, in the movie, the people that handled him could have, could have uh, addressed his personality a little better. They could have given him a job that he could like, like, why didn't they make him a firefighter? Like a firefighter, it, even like a police officer. So, because he would do a firefighter, I think is good because police officer, it kind of puts you in like that. You have to put on a superhero cape, anyways. But if you're a firefighter, right, you're saving people from burning buildings, and he's super strong, and so he could just run in and save people. People are like, how'd you do that? He was like, oh, I just, you know, no one would think any twice of it, you know, yeah, because you're running into a burning building, saving people. That's your job. I think in my mind, I thought to myself, the perfect job for him would have been to 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 uh, to get him a job as a firefighter. I thought that would be a great way for him to still use his abilities and uh yeah yeah which i guess if we're from just to play like devil's advocate like looking at it from the government's point of view like a job like that would put him in a much riskier situation where yes it's like the thing with dash at the end kind of when he's like running the race he's like i don't know how much to um, effort to put in and how much to pull back because, yeah. um, like he just, he doesn't want to seem like the fastest guy because he's like, he is super fast, but if he puts in 110%, like, lose. they're not even going to see him cross the finish line. He's going to be going so fast. And yeah. so, but he has to he can walk stay undetected. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. He has to stay undetected, but still like duties, like duties good at, which is running. So he has to like find that balance. And I think that probably in this, at that time, Bob could not have found his balance and no. it would have, um, no, you're right. He, it wouldn't have, you're right. It would not have worked out. I agree. Cause the first time that it got to a situation where doing something, I use this word, it's gonna be a pun, but you doing something no short of incredible yeah. would have came in front of him and he would have chosen to do the incredible thing to save someone's life. And that would have got him in trouble. Yeah. I t- like it would have been a semi truck on top of a car and then he would have like, paid the semi truck. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to, because he cares anymore. about people and he cares about, um, I don't know. He just cares about his community. Yeah. He cares about helping people and making sure they're safe. And so yeah, he is going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And he just was, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think your devil's advocate actually answered the question. Um, I was just something in my head. I thought it would be cool. There's probably, I, mean, I don't disagree with you. I think it'd be really cool, but I could just see him. Like you said, they, they don't want to put him in that position. They put, he pulls up to a car accident. Maybe they're even cleaning the fire truck or the firehouse on a random day. And, I could just see him picking up the firehouse, or not the firehouse, not the fire truck. It. Not thinking about it, not just doing it. Picking yeah. up the fire truck, helping them, like, clean it, doing it, whatever. Yeah. Like, that, when he got mad, he picked up the car, and that little kid on the bike was like, Ooh. I love that kid. I, I forgot about him. I do love that little kid on the bike. What you, what you, the, when, he, when he comes home the one day, he's like, what are you looking at? What do you What do you want? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super, and, then, um, and then whenever, uh, at some point in the movie, they do something, and he's like, that was totally wicked. Yeah. <laughs> he gets so happy. Um, he's super cool. Um, 
let's stay on characters for just another minute before we move forward, because there's just a lot of good ones to talk about. Um, Dash was a night, or not Dash, um, oh, Jack-Jack was a great surprise. Him not having superpowers the whole movie, and then all of a sudden having them was a cool twist. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, as a superhero, like, when do your powers first? Manifest. Manifest and yeah. come out. Because I wonder if they were just concerned that maybe Violet and Dash showed their like signs of having some kind of super ability at an age earlier than Jack-Jack did. And so that's why they were kind of like, oh, he hasn't shown any signs yet. He's probably normal. Right. Because I'm sure Mr. Incredible probably is a baby. You probably pick up like grown people and throw them around. You know what I mean? Like his powers probably. Jack Jack seemed to be more like shape shifting and mental. Like he can turn into other things. He can turn into a truck if he wants to. Like Jack Jack's like insanely powerful. He can turn into a ball of fire if he wants to. But yeah, maybe it so... took him a long time to like figure out how to think that, you know, like think it into well, existence. Well, I mean, he's just a baby. So, like, also because of, I wonder if something causes a reaction inside of you and then your powers just like manifest and bring, come up to the surface. Stress. And because yes. his mom and his family always created a safe environment for yes. him, he never had to be reactionary in the kind of way that he had to when Buddy was carrying him in the sky. You know what I mean? Well, even when the babysitter, like, he'd been left with someone he didn't know and then yeah. he started manifesting his power. Maybe he was just stressed. Yeah. I like that. Um, I know you mentioned her's your favorite. Edna was fantastic. Edna is a freaking, like, 12 out of gorgeous 10. character. Yeah, 12 like, out of 10. Like, in my humble opinion, Cruella DeVille, iconic. Like, she's one of the, like, you can... Oh, yeah, Edna's very iconic. I can hear her voice... Every time I think of this movie, I can hear her voice. Yeah. I can see her walking around with her little cigarette. Um, the, oh, the little like um, the little show that she puts on to show um, what the children's powers do was cool because that shows that she had been researching them and she somehow knew what all the kids' powers well, were. You can tell that they're like old friends. Oh, a thousand percent. She, I mean, she made their super suits for years. Like whenever they needed repairs, she would make them. She was part of that underground society. It even says that she had gone from doing that to like she became a fashion designer because and it wasn't fulfilling for her. She hated it. So yeah. she, when he came to her for the suit, she was just she was like really everybody. Else. Yeah, she, she was back doing the things she was passionate about. Yeah. So I think they are definitely like, and they're all like, even though they relocate and blah blah blah. Like they, I think they're from what I'm gathering, they're still relocating in the same city. Probably or close by the same state, like within the like within maybe even like little suburbs of the big city. Yes, but um, like so they're all, they also like live they live near each other from what I understand. Yes. Um. But yeah, it's almost like they relocated all of them to the same city. I just thought I just clocked that. Well, I wonder. No, here's the thing though. I like I because I feel like probably it, it um. I don't know. Maybe. Because it is a big, it appears to be a very big city. It almost yeah. gives me like New York City or like Chicago or like a big, like LA, like or a big. Like, even like a St. Louis or something like that. There's like high rises. I, I know you probably don't think that. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's quite in New York, but I get what you're saying. But almost probably more like a Chicago than it's like yeah. very hustle and bustle, but yeah. not like huge. So like, I wonder if there's, I don't know, different Every city has their own supers. There's there's supers around the world because I'm sure if there's someone in one city that's a super, there's someone in another city that's a super. And so this is just focused. This is what I have to remember when I'm watching movies is that like this is just focused on this one location. This one location. And I love that you brought that up because this movie is very superhero heavy and we'll probably touch on this a lot because we love superhero movies. Um, We love Marvel. We love and we love the Avengers and all that. But DC is the one that does this a lot. So um, um, Superman 
the city was Metropolis. Batman City was Gotham City. Like, they didn't really... They all have their own city. Yeah, they kind of had their own city where they would fight crime. Spider-Man City? New York. Yeah. Always. Even Steve Rogers, he ends up going around, but, like, Captain America's from... Um, Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're I think you're dead on. I think that these superheroes had, like, like cities that they protected, and it was a big city. Like, I had a huge train going around the whole city and high-rises everywhere. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Um... I wanted to ask you this because I almost asked you during the movie, but I want to say it for the podcast. What was your thoughts of Mirage? Because she's a character that people can kind of have mixed feelings for, I feel like, because there was this aspect of, like, she was the cause of concern for uh, Helen because of an affair. Obviously, Mr. Incredible, that never even crossed his mind. You can tell. And they made that abundantly oh, clear. Yeah. He's very faithful. And I don't even think that she was even 40 with him. I think she was very professional. But what were your yeah. thoughts of her? Because she she was kind of one of those characters. I don't, it's hard to tell if she is good or bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Like, because obviously she's a part of Buddy's little empire situation and what Buddy is doing is bad. So, like, is she just doing it because it's what she's being told to do? Because in the end, she does end up helping. She makes the right decision, but I think it takes him. Yeah. It takes him. It takes Buddy being basically like, um, go ahead, crush her. You won't do it. And then she's like, remember when she steps up to him near the end of the movie? She's like, next time you gamble, gamble your own life. And I think that was the switch where she's like, wait a second. Like Mr. Incredible and his family are, like, way better people yeah. than Buddy is. So, yeah, it, just, it makes me wonder, like, is she is she just entrapped in a situation where she just has to, like, do her job? She's and probably making a lot of money, too. Making a lot of money doing, like, doing her thing, and but she's never seen... I don't know, like, I wonder, does she... Is she aware of the fact that Buddy has been killing supers? Like, is she aware of that? And is she, if she's aware of that, and then also recruiting different superheroes to die, like, that's terrible. She's obviously terrible. a recruiter. Yeah, she's a recruiter, because she's even in the, you can, in the very beginning, they're actually going after Frozone. Frozone. Yep. And they switch to Mr. Incredible after she watches them, like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And the when the house, when the building's on fire and they save all the people and end up in the jewelry <laughs> store, a whole a whole thing. But so I just wonder, like, does she know that she's recruiting them to die? And if she does, why is she still doing it? Is it because she believes in Buddy and like once is okay with these people dying? Maybe or? maybe he's convinced her that like supers are evil, that they have like they're narcissistic and whatever, blah 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 blah. But and then really she meets him. one. Yeah, and then she meets one, she's like, wait a minute, these are good people. You know, I don't know, but yeah, she's a, she's a dynamic character. Like, I, I actually don't hate her. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I she's have not my lots favorite. of questions. I just wonder if she's like, I don't know. Yeah. Or she's just been manipulated into thinking that what's happening is okay. Yeah. And she actually like care. I don't know. It's hard to. I don't know. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Last character I want to talk about. Then we'll move on. Um, Bob's handler or the family's handler. I, he has a very hard job. Yeah. Like, very hard job. And oh, he, yeah. He, he definitely cares about them. You can tell that they have, like, a, and, like, at the beginning of the movie, he's super disappointed. He's like, we can't keep going through this, Bob. We can't keep. Yeah, I for think sure. It sounds like he's voiced by, um, by, um, um, he played Two-Face. He played in Captain America. He's one of my favorite actors. I'm blanking on his name. Um, but anyways, he was, was a cool character. Rick? The guy I'm thinking of now. Oh, the uh, the, the character. Handler? What's the who's the actor that plays him? I don't know. Oh, anyways, um, I'm gonna... he was a great character in my opinion. And then I also, um, 
I really, really liked, um, oh my God, I just had him tip my tongue. I'm blanking right now because I can't pick an actor. Um, okay, his name is Rick. Mm-hmm. Who's the actor? Okay. Tommy Lee Jones? No. No. His name is Bud Lucky. Bud Lucky, okay. And he is actually in a lot of, he's in Winnie the Pooh as Eeyore. Ooh. Um, I don't know why I made that noise. That was very strange. So he is also in Toy Story 3. As? As Chuckles. Oh, that's awesome. Um, he was in Sesame Street for a very long time. Um, but yeah. I love it. All right. We can talk about characters forever in this movie. It's a great it's a great character-filled movie. Um, but I liked him a lot, too. I get the end. Um, that's the last thing I'll say. I'm going to move to the next question. Where he's like... Like you guys did good. He's like y'all are y'all are back up again. Um, the public loves you guys. Like y'all, you just saved the entire city. Oh, yeah. Like you know, he's like he's like great job, proud of you guys basically. Um, when they're going to get Jack Jack. Yeah. Um, favorite scene. Um. This is hard. I actually really like. There's a scene um, when. Helen and Violet and Dash get to the island and they like find this cave that they have to that they're like hiding in basically and Helen's like you guys stay here like and she's telling them like these people that we're dealing with are evil these people that we're dealing with like they don't care that you're a kid they're gonna hurt you so like if they if people come after you you need to use your powers this is like survival mode like you yes all that kind of stuff and um right before she leaves she like i don't know if she like kisses them by and like his, i don't know i don't remember how they walk how she ends up walking away but she like tucks violet's hair behind her ear and like kind of like leaves after and you can just tell like um for Violet, at least, that her mom, like, encouraging her like that. Because, you know, up until that point, the whole movie, her hair's in front of her face. She has, like, she appears to have zero confidence, zero belief in herself. And that's when yes. she really, once her mom tucks her hair behind her ears, that's when she really, like, starts stepping into who she is and, like, being confident about it. And I just feel like it was a major turning point for Violet. And it just is very, um, I don't know. I just really like that moment because it's just a, such a relatable moment. Like, you just need... A lot of times we can feel maybe insecure or have a lot of doubt in ourselves, and we need someone to come alongside of us and like push us and be have the confidence for us. And that's kind of what her mom. It seems like her mom was for her. Like it was the her mom had the confidence and like believed in her. And then she was like, "Oh man, I can't do this." So yeah, I agree. And what's funny is it was the polar opposite because, and I love that you, she was being a mom in that moment and doing what the kids needed because Dash lacks no confidence. Oh no, Jack's or Jack Dash is very, very, very confident. Yeah. Um, what he needs is he just needs someone to kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of rein him in a little bit, but yes. also give him just direction. He just needs direction. He was fine using yeah. his powers. Oh yeah. He was like, I'm great. I got this. But he did it in school. Okay. Another yeah. one of my favorite movies or favorite moments. Yeah. When he puts a thumbtack on the teacher's thing and they they record it and the teacher, you can't see him on video. No. And then the dad, when he gets home, is like, did you get caught? And he was like, no. And he's like, that had a boy. And he's his like, wife and Helen's like, you're missing the point. Yeah. He's like, uh, what did he say? He was like, they, they have you on video and they can't even like. And they can't they, see you. They can't catch you. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. It's really cool. Because he's thinking through the superhero aspect of like. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Like, dang. That was a great, that was a great scene. Um, I think my favorite scene, 
Um, this is hard. I really, really, really like the one that you mentioned. I do. I, I like the one where Violet and Dash um, are like avoiding the security and Dash. Yeah. You know what? I just figured out what it is. Even though Mr. Incredible is my favorite character, I think my favorite scene goes to Dash. When he's running and he just thinks he's going to run into the water and try to dive in and get away. And he just closes his eyes and then he re- he opens them and he realizes he's running on water. Yeah. That scene, I just love that scene. Yeah. And then he's like sick. And then he just starts like weaving around things and they're yeah. flying trying to catch him. And he's just like, and then he, um, he gets to the end of the chase and he goes one way into a cave and then they circle around. They got him trapped and he goes another way and they go in both ways. And then he just like, wait a second. He just stops running and falls into the water and they hit each other and blow yeah. up. I, yeah. That was, I, I don't know why. I just like my, my inner like guy, superhero, like brain. I just, it was so cool. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It was really cool. He's like, I don't know. Because he's he's not really allowed to use his powers. Yeah, so he doesn't know what he can do. No. Yeah. Because so he knows he can run a, around the house and run on, like, dry land. But can he run up walls? Can he run on water? He doesn't know until those moments. Yeah. And he can. That's really cool. It is really cool. He's, like, running on walls and, like, circling around. Yeah, that's great. I love that scene. Um, even though Mr. Incredible is my favorite character, I think my favorite scene goes to Dash. And I, Dash is a close second for me. I really do like Dash. Um, yeah. Least favorite scene. Um, I'll actually go first. I've let you go first a lot because I already have okay. it in my head. What do you think's his family's dead? Oh. I just like I, even though we don't have kids yet, like just thinking of like you and the girls and uh, and Remy, like even though Artie has our fur baby, it's just like if I don't know, it's just like it's heartbreaking. Like he lost you know his wife, his children, and 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 then even in that brokenness, he still made a really great decision to not kill somebody and and really just be take the higher road. Like that scene, even though it shows his like absolute shows that he deserves to be a superhero. That's what that scene really shows. It shows that he deserves to be a superhero. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just really sad to watch. It kind of brings you really low. Isn't there like a Spider-Man quote that's just like, "With great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility," and like it just showed that in his moment that like he does have great. Power, but he also has great responsibility where like he knows and appreciates the value of a human life even though he knows he can literally kill someone just by squeezing them <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like he has that great strength great power and just so like but he still is responsible and respectful enough to value a human life yeah which is really important because buddy's the opposite opposite yep it's total opposite uh what about you what's your least favorite scene um agree with you i think like when he thinks his when bob thinks his family is dead especially like um like when helen's like in the plane and she's like there's children on board like abort abort like yeah and you just like see like all the life come out of bob's face and he just is like no like this is cannot be happening um it just is like really even though they're fine, but yeah. he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. And Syndrome doesn't know that. Syndrome thinks he's killed him. Yeah, and it just is really gut wrenching. He did it on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> like, he did. Yeah. I hate that guy. I do too. <laughs> um, talking about like favorite scenes and least favorite scenes, um, one thing that's kind of striking in this movie is even though it doesn't show it on screen so much, people die. People be dying a lot, especially when they wear capes. Yeah, especially. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's like her crowning movement. No capes. No capes. No. Um, yeah. Now let's just talk about scenes in general. Um, 
and we apologize in advance. We're going to talk a lot on these 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 first two characters and scenes because this movie just has, it's just it, it deserves for them to be discussed. Um, some of my favorite scenes. Um, I'll go first. I'm making you go first a lot. I really, really love the opening scene where you find out who he is and you find out who she is and they monologue on the roof. And then you kind of find out that they're going, they're both on their way to their wedding. Um, and they're still fighting crime on their way there. Um, the whole opening scene, like them catching the bad guy kind of together. Yeah. Um, and then he goes and rescues a cat from a tree. And then he goes and looks at his watch. Bon voyage is like about to blow a building up. And he's like, ah, I got time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Frozone being there and being his best man was great. Yeah. Um, and their wedding. And then she looks in his eyes and she's like, hey, if we're going to make this work, like we're going to have to make some changes. Yeah. And then little did she know, like literally the next day, like all these lawsuits were going to come out. Yeah. So that scene is great to me. Um, what about you? What is another scene that you really, really, really loved in the movie? Okay. Before I do that, I also want to backtrack because I forgot that one of like my favorite actors is in this movie. Oh, really? Wallace Shawn. Uh-huh. He play. he's the voice, um, of Bob's like supervisor on the, in his insurance shop. Oh, yeah. Rex. And he was Rex. Yeah. He's in Gossip Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. He's in The Princess Bride. He's just in a lot of good things. Yeah. I forgot about. I wanted to mention that earlier and I forgot. Yeah. Can I can I say something real quick yeah. before you go? I actually, uh, even though he's kind of uh, diabolical as a boss, I actually love all the scenes he's in. Like when Bob walks into his office and all the pencils are like absolutely he just straight. It. Yeah. And then he's like, "You're you're you're uh, your clients are experts on all the uh, all of our operations. They go to what offices to go to." And it's just the way he's talking is like absolutely hilarious and it's yeah. just like it's so funny. Um. Yeah, he's his. I actually like him as a character, even though he's meant to be a foil. He's absolutely freaking hilarious. Just like the teacher, just like Dash's teacher. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. <laughs> he's like he looks all insane. It's just so funny. Yeah. Uh, what are some For other sure. scenes, or what's a scene that you really, other than your favorite scene, that really kind of stuck out to you? I really love how. Um, I don't know when they're having dinner. Um, and Bob is like not really paying attention, which is also, I I would feel I have mixed emotions because, um, it starts off as like a not great scene almost because Bob is so wrapped up in his own head and his own, well, he's like trying to decompress from work. He's like really missing being Mr. Incredible all the time like and so he's just really like caught up in himself in that moment um and he can't see that his family is like kind of fighting and falling apart at the dinner table like literally literally it's a crap show yeah absolutely crap show and she's like Bob can you help me yeah literally but I think it just is almost like even though she is she's a last girl she stretches her arms grabs the kids under the table like holds Bob is holding the table up like and then the doorbell rings and they're all like, oh, crap. Shoot. Yeah. Oh, crap. Like, um, and it's almost like even though they're fighting in that moment, they're like, oh, crap. Like, we have to. We have to put on a show. We have Be to make normal. sure we're normal. We have to do this thing together. And then it's Frozone. And they're like. You can just almost tell the relief on their face. It's just yeah. it's like, and the kids oh, thank know God. Him. I love the kids yeah. know him. Like, Dash is like, what's up? They fist bump. And yeah. the pilot's like, hi. And then he says hi to Jack-Jack. And then, like, yeah. you know, yeah, they, it's just. And then at the end, when they're um, trying to kill the Omnibot, 
Omnibot? Is that what it's called? Yeah, something like Omnibot. that. Omnibot. Whatever. Yeah, I whatever. Think. Whatever it is. Um, they are all fighting it together. Omnidroid. Omnidroid. I knew it was Omni something. Yeah, you were very um, close. But they're all fighting it together, and it just is like, even though it's hard and they're like not succeeding at first, like, I think that relationship that they have is, it shows throughout the movie, like between their family and Frozone, and it yeah. just is like. I love that. That's a great take. I don't think maybe they probably, because they really needed every single one of them to be able to defeat it. Yeah. And I don't think if they would have had the relationship with each other, they it would have worked. You know what? And we're going to hang out with them tomorrow. I really think about, like, in this situation, like, our friends like that. Like, we're going to go hang out with Scott and Tori tomorrow. Yeah. And Caden will be there, like, their kid. And, like, just, like, friends that you, like, you know, as you grow up and you get married and then you have kids and then, like, your friends grow up with them. I feel, kind of feel like that same thing. Like, you just get to know your friends' kids and it's just, like, you become kind of a, uh, a family that's not a family. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. You're not, like, a, obviously a blood-related family, but it's, like, you know, it's your people, it's your tribe, it's your it's your people that you do life with, people you care about, and they become part of your life. And then as you have children and as you have even pets and things like that, you know, they become part of it. Like, you know. Yeah, like I remember because um, growing up, my mom had a really big family, right? Yeah. And so um, she's from, she's like a Jersey girl. So like, you know, Jersey families are really like tight knit. <laughs> your mom was a Jersey girl. And so... Um, but not only that is that they had lots of friends that um, I remember from when I was younger, even though we're not like, I don't know what their relationship looks like now, but obviously we live st- states and hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Right. But like, so even though like I'm not close to them or talk to them, like I still remember my mom and dad's friends from growing up, like we would call a lot of them aunt and uncle, even though they weren't actually related to us. Yeah. So it just like reminds me of like that relationship and yeah. um, you can have a lot of, I don't know, friends in your life. It's like nice because um, friends are like the family that you can choose. And so, yeah, that's the great part about friendship is you can pick your friends. Um, yeah. yeah. You can pick your friends and you can't pick your family and you're stuck with them. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is like when you choose to love friends and you have good friends, like you can, you can pick those people. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. So that I want to harp on for a second. Um, it kind of goes back to characters, but the parallel of um, what the superpowers that the uh, husband and wife have are kind of cool. So you have Mr. Oh, yeah. You have Mr. Incredible, who's super strong, um, can pretty much do anything, but his personality is kind of inflexible. And then you have Elastigirl, who's also really strong, but her strength is different. She's flexible. She can be stretched super thin. Yeah. Um, she can handle a lot of pressure and a lot of stress, which I think is very indicative of like male and female relationships within marriages, or at least the perceived thing of it. And obviously, they learn to work, they learn to work better. But um, they 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 learn to um, work together with it like better. Yeah. Goes on. Then you have uh, Dash, who's the, who's the boy, and like he like, every little teenage like preteen boy you've ever seen like. ADHD all over the place. Then you have Violet who um, can make herself invisible and create force fields. And she's like, she's also like, you can tell she's like starts out being insecure and wants to be invisible Yeah. or feels like she is invisible because she is not outgoing or popular or anything like that. So I do, I agree with you in the sense that like their powers are almost a reflection of their personalities. Right. Which is super cool. And then you have Jack Jack who's a baby and his powers are like kind of limitless. And I think that kind of shows the potential of like when you're a baby, like 
it's kind of limitless. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. No. You you don't know how the world's gonna influence you. You don't you don't know how it's gonna like shape you and mold you. And um, Jack Jack's like that. So I, when I was we watching it, even when we were talking, I was thinking, I was like, they really did a good job of like making these superpowers, like yeah, and then, for sure. And then Frozone, right? He's super cool. <laughs> and he's voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. He's just a cool guy. And he's yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's just the way they did it was really cool. I yeah. thought, you know, um, syndrome superpowers are all fake like because him. he's fake. You know, like it just was just the way yeah. they did it was super cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, any other scenes you want to talk about? There's a lot. There's just so many good ones. We could go on and on and on. I feel like the, whole the jewelry store scene was really funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think it's cool that like um, when the when they come in there and the police guy is frozen, the bullet already left the gun. So like the bullet is also frozen and it just is like really. Like they they. It's g- cool. Yeah. Also they like they barely escaped that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I agree. Um, I like the scene too, um, where he's working out in the train yard. He's like, li- oh, like he's like literally lifting trains. and like pulling trains. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, and I also really like how happy he gets when he has this new job and he like starts losing weight and then, and then their their like life gets better because he's happy. Yeah, you know, which is kind of sad, but also at the same time, like, I mean, you and I both kind of understand this. Like, when you do something that you love and gives you passion, like, honestly, like you, I know you think differently, but if we get paid to do this every single day, like, oh, my goodness. Like, it brings me life. If I could get paid to be a musician every single day, like, that would be, yeah. like, the epitome. But it's, like, trying to find, you know, things that you love doing. And, like, he went from doing something that he hated into doing something that he really, like, cared about and wanted to do. And it yeah. just changed his life. And, like, work's a huge part of who we are, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, Courtney often tells me I'm a workaholic. Um, it's something I'm working on. I don't think I'm as bad now as I used to be. No, your job forces you to not be a workaholic. <laughs> you can't take your work home with you. Yeah, like. shout out, Bank of America. Actually a great company. Um, who, would, who would ever guess? Um, but, um, yeah, really loving working for them. But I will say, like, it's one of those things where um, you just – you just kind of like as whether you're a guy, whether you're a girl, whatever spectrum, whatever career you're in, I feel that you work's a huge part of who you are and you spend a lot of time at work. Like minimum, we spend eight hours a day, four to five days a week, unless you're a bum. Um, and so you're there 40 hours a week at your job. And so what I kind of gathered from this is like, it's too, life is too short to freaking like waste away at a job that doesn't, even if you don't like it, waste away at a job that doesn't at least challenge you. Do something that challenges you and forces you to be creative every single day. When I saw Bob sitting at that desk, just like wasting away, I was like, he needs to do something different. He's got to do something different. Like, that's what I love about my job right now is it challenges me. Even Maple Street, when I worked there, it challenged me. I'd never done it before. I never ran a restaurant before. I like had to, like, figure it out. And now I'm doing what I'm doing now at Bank of America, and I have to figure it out. It's challenging. I think that's important. Courtney's staring at me. Well, okay, first of all, if you don't work eight hours a day, you're not a bum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some people literally... I stand by what I said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't mean <laughs> you know it like mean? that. I didn't mean it like you just, that. You, well, you were like... You work eight hours a day, unless you're a bum. And it's like... Yeah. Lots of people don't work eight hours a day or full-time jobs, and they're not a bum. Like, there's lots of other things you can be doing. That's You can true. have a part-time... Honestly... You know what? Hold maybe... on. Before before you go on, and I'm doing the trying to do a better job of this as a human being, I recant my statement. I misspoke. You're right. 
there's a lot of other things people can do. Stay-at-home moms. There's people that are caregivers for people. They can't. They work. I agree. I misspoke. Like, I apologize. Because even like, um, I don't know, like, for example, Shannon has a part-time job. Yeah. But she also, even though it's not something, her part-time job is not something that's creative, she also... Um, like does creative things. Um, yeah. Like she's really passionate about social media and like, yeah, I don't know, creating like being, I don't know, doing all of her stuff that she does. So yeah, like, a thousand percent. No, and I, I think I may misspoke. I don't mean like you have to go work for a company eight hours a day, but I, I think that you should definitely be working eight hours a day to do something. Like just the work. I agree that you should work. I don't know. It's hard because like some people are literally just in their job to get a paycheck because they're trying to survive. And you know what's funny on this conversation? I'm glad we're having it because this podcast is real and every podcast we ever do will be real. You and I do have different viewpoints on work. Like we definitely do. I, in my job that I get paid for, it's n- I'm. Well, you work 12 hour days, 10 hour and 12 hour days. I don't actually. I work like nine to eight to 10, depending on my, yeah. on the day. Yeah. But, um, to be honest, like. I work at a dentist office. Is dentistry something I'm passionate about and want to do for the rest of my life? No, but it creates an opportunity for me financially to, because I only, most most weeks I work four days a week. So it creates, I like the people I work with. I get to work with my friends. Yeah. And it creates a financial opportunity to go and do the things I want to do the other three days of the week. A thousand percent. Because like, that's the cool thing about your job is you work, um, you work four shifts, eight to 10 hours and you get a three day weekend every weekend. You're pretty much off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every single week. Uh, like maybe one weekend a month, I work a Friday, but it's only a couple hours and we don't have to get in the details of my job. Yeah. But like I'm saying, like, and it's not like I'm there to just collect a paycheck. I mean, I do get to lead people. I get to, Oh, a thousand percent. Do other things that do challenge me, but I mean, I literally started that job because I needed money and I was trying to get a paycheck and I've kind of grown as I've been there for a while. And so, but I'm just saying like, there's people that have jobs literally because they're just trying to survive and they can't, they don't have, they can't afford to go find something that they're passionate about or something that they, um, that challenges them in the ways that they want to be challenged because sometimes you literally just got to do what you got to do to get a paycheck and survive. No, I agree. I agree. I reached a point like that with Maple Street for the last like six months I was there. I wouldn't have left Maple Street until I found something different because I wasn't going to put our family in that situation. No, but I'm I think not that, saying you were, but, but I'm just saying. No, what like, I'm saying is, is, is I agree with you. Like, and I would say this to anyone listening, like if you're in a job you don't like, please don't go quit it until you have something else. And, 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 but if you don't like what you do, here's what I'm saying. This is what the whole point I'm trying to make. If you don't like what you do and you're miserable at it, keep working there, keep learning what you can while you're there. But start working on yourself as much as you can. Put other applications in. Get certifications. Go back to school. Do what you want to do to get the job that you want. That's all I'm saying. Okay. We're endless opportunities, man. There's endless opportunities. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do. I agree with you somewhat. Okay. In what ways do you disagree? Well, I just feel... I don't know. I just feel like not everyone has the luxury to go do what they want to do. A thousand percent. I I don't <laughs> want to do 
what I do every day. Yeah. But it's the best case scenario of what I have in front of me right now. I think you're just a very positive person and you make the best of every situation that you're in. That's true. That's accurate. And I'll have to give myself that. And I'm, I'm working on that too. Uh, me and Courtney, I, you've heard me mention it. Like, I think two episodes back, I mentioned that I'm trying my best to not um, hold people to the standards that I hold myself to. Because if I did that, um, man, would I be insufferable. It'd make, it's, it creates uh, I have a friends. little, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it can create really miserable circumstances for yourself. Yeah, because I have very high standards for myself. And so my, my thing is, that the thing that I'm working on right now is I'm trying to do my best wherever I'm at. So yeah. even if it's not where I want to be, I'm trying to do my best where I'm at, right? So I'm yeah. trying to bring my best to the table. And um, But I still want to make that point like to our listeners. like If you're working a job that you don't want to do and you're miserable at it, I'm not saying leave that job and like not have a provision plan for your family or for your, even for yourself, even if you're single. Yeah. Like, you don't have a provision. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't hurt you to go on Indeed and ZipRecruiter and start putting in applications for that job that you want to do. Yeah, because you or, never know what could happen. Or research. Like, I'm trying to be, honestly, I'll be real. I'm trying to get a different job in tech right now. I want to be a product owner, and that's like the, my whole, like, career. Like, it's what I want to do. If I can get that job by the time I'm 35, I want to do that for the rest of my life. I yeah. love it. I know what it is. I've, I've really studied it and researched it. So right now, I'm studying it. I'm listening to YouTube videos on my way to work, on my way home, trying to figure it out. And and I'm, that's what I'm trying to trying to accomplish, and I'm, that's where I'm applying. That's what I'm doing. Um you know, even if I did it at Bank of America, that'd be great. But like, I have like a goal in mind that I want to do. And yeah. do I want to deal with people that come in and don't know how to log into their banking app at Bank of America every day? No. <laughs> no. But it's still challenging, especially when the person that comes in that speaks Spanish and, and I don't speak Spanish and we figure it out together. And it, it makes my brain hurt. But they leave with a smile on their face because I took the time yeah. to help them. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Is this movie over underrated? <laughs> um, I think it's pretty adequately rated. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it is. Let me pull it up. I think it's. Um, let me see here. IMDb has it rated eight out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes actually has it rated. Um, 97%, which is wild. I've never seen a Rotten Tomatoes um, rating that high. And then on Google, it just says like 89% of users like this movie. Um, so I think it is... I mean, I think it's a great movie. We were talking about it earlier, and I think Pixar doesn't miss. Like, Pixar is... I don't know. They just make really good movies and have really good things coming out. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty, pretty adequately rated. Um, yeah. So it just is a really good movie, and I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's weird though because Rotten Tomato, like the tomato meter, is ninety-seven percent, but the audience score is seventy-five percent, and. Um, I don't know. It just is an interesting thing. But yeah. Yeah, I agree. Do you um look up Toy Story real quick? Because I feel like that I thought that Toy Story was the highest rated like Pixar movie, like when it comes to ratings ever. But then when we looked this up before we started like recording, um, I was really shocked, like you were just saying, of like how high, like 97%, like that's like unheard of. Like it's like super critically acclaimed and people love it. It's Rotten like, Tomatoes has a hundred percent. On Toy Story? Yeah. Let's go. 
I knew Toy Story was goaded. And it's like I was just saying, like the t- um, Rotten Tomatoes, like with The Incredibles. Um, even the the tomato meter was what did I say, ninety seven percent? And but then the audience score was only like seventy five percent. But with Toy Story, it's like a hundred percent for the tomato meter, and then the audience score is ninety two. So like they're both really high. Yeah. It's like with Incredibles, there's a little bit of a gap, which I can see where people might rate it a little. Low, yeah, I can see but. it. You, you know what this thing with this movie is? I think that it, it really took Pixar's strong suits in a lot of different ways. Um, like, The Incredibles is like a very outside-the-box superhero movie. Yeah. Like, I don't remember... And maybe I could be completely wrong, but... Um, before The Incredibles, like, I can't remember a superhero family. You know what I mean? No, I mean, Batman's got a superhero family, but it's different. It's a different type of family. Like, he recruits people that aren't in his, like, they're not blood-related to him, mm-hmm. other than his son, Damien. But, um... Batman has a son? Mm-hmm. Yep, with Ra's al Ghul's daughter, Talia. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think him and Catwoman have a kid later on, too. Also interesting. Yeah. I like Batman a lot. Y'all will find that out as we continue to do episodes. Batman's my favorite superhero, actually. Really? Yeah. Well, you know that. Why do you say really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I would My agree. My B-roll went off, so I'm not really paying yeah, attention. Yeah, she's doing her B-roll right now. <laughs> I agree. I think this movie is adequately rated. I have never met a person that doesn't like it. It's critically acclaimed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, audience acclaimed. It's a fantastic movie. It's really good. It's funny. It's endearing. It's deep. It's all the things. It's just yeah. a fantastic movie. All the like gives you a lot of feels. Like you laugh. You laugh. You cry. It's like a heart-wrenching at times. Yeah. Um, you feel proud. Like, as you get to know the characters and they start to open up, at, yeah. like, like, you feel proud of them. Like, you just, you feel all the things. You know so. what you do? You go on a journey with them. You do. Which is really, like, which cliche, I feel, but it's No, but true. I feel like Pixar does a really good job of that. Every movie that you go on, you literally, I don't know, you get to know the characters so well and you go on a journey with them. And you do. The yeah. journey is, and like every journey, it has ups and downs, but the journey is a journey you want to go on. Yeah, it's the art of storytelling, and Pixar yeah. nails it. They do. Disney, does. Every, Disney does. Disney does too. Disney does too, but like Pixar never misses. Pixar, every single time, and I just feel like a lot of these movies are even timeless, and like, you know well, what I mean? Kids today are watching Toy Story one. Oh yeah, and they're watching Cars, and they're watching The Incredibles, and they're watching Ratatouille, and they're watching Wreck It Ralph, and they're um, watching Monsters Inc., and they're watching like yeah. all the all the things. Um, so I just. These movies are timeless, whereas Disney, I mean, Disney movies are so good. Yeah. But you also have movies like, um, I would say, oh, like Pocahontas. It's a good movie. Is it timeless? No. No, it did not stand the test of time. And and we we tried our best to get through it when we talked about it. (laughs) But, um, like, it's not. It's not a timeless movie. And while it's it's still a classic movie, but is it timeless? And you know what I would say to our listeners though right now is that like it's okay if you watch a movie that's not necessarily timeless and you can still enjoy it. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Some movies, I don't know. It's good to enjoy what enjoy you're watching. Enjoy the classics, you know what, because you can learn from it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beauty and the Beast? Timeless. timeless. We watched it last timeless. night. Timeless. We went to sleep watching it last night. We watched that movie, like, actually that's the movie we watched the most. Yeah. We watch it all the time. I, I really do enjoy that bonjour, movie. Bonjour, bonjour. Yeah. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> that whole opening scene, um, 
Yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, you know, you're right. I think that um, I think Pixar doesn't miss, and they. Um, I, I I don't think in the moment Disney misses, but I don't think necessarily all of their movies stand the test of time. Like even with Peter Pan. Yeah. Like there's some like a little, what would be now politically incorrect like you know what i mean like i would so, agree with you i think pixar balances it really well because they, they write do. these stories that are like even they, i think t- like for pixar like turning red like i think is going to be like a timeless well, like, type of movie I you know what i mean you, i love that you said that because i think about it in what way is up not timeless oh i forgot about you it you can't pick it apart no you can't the incredibles how do you pick it apart you can't toy story how do you pick it apart you can't i don't think you can monsters inc you can't no they're they're just I don't know how they do it because the storytelling, it's not safe storytelling. They take risks. But yeah. You know, what, you know what it is? They're literally like talking cars and monsters and toys and like. You know how they do it? Wild. And a talking rat. You know what I mean? You know how they do it? It's because it's, it's absurd and it's real. That's the thing. They take they take human emotion and they take it to the most absurd level possible and then they create a story around it. But what's great is that like is they tell us, they give these inanimate objects or animals um talk about it that's great like absurd feelings but it still stays true to like the car is still acting like a car you know what i mean like it still has headlights and it breaks and it goes on road trips and they drive on the road and they fill up they need gas to eat when they're hungry you know what i mean tell me how every time i hear you got a friend in me it makes me tear up literally connected yeah. To an inanimate object, a, a, a Woody doll and a Buzz doll. Tell me why every time I hear Life is a Highway by Rascal Flats, I think Lightning McQueen and I smile. Yeah. It's because I've, they, Pixar is somehow in an amazing and beautiful way yeah. attached us to these inanimate objects. Yeah. And anytime, anytime I eat ratatouille, you know. <laughs> I actually, I don't think I've ever eaten ratatouille. You but no, like when every time you eat at a nice restaurant and you can hear French music in the background, what do you think of? Ratatouille. I, I do it every time. I can't help it. It's they get to us in that way and that's why Pixar is just beautiful with uh, storytelling. Every time you see a clownfish, you think it's Nemo. Nemo, You know what I mean? Finding Nemo is a movie that's underrated to me. Like, I should probably give it more respect than I do. That movie is incredible. Every time I want to watch Finding Nemo, TJ tells me no. Because I always want to watch Toy Story. I like Toy Story. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Pixar is goaded, man. And we're going to just keep talking about it as we go through these these movies. Uh, What's a theme from the movie to apply to your everyday life. I feel like we have talked about a lot. We have. You go first. Okay. (laughs) So the main thing that I can apply to this movie is um, there's a lot more to this family than meets the eye. And they have had to hide who they are for so long that they didn't realize that there were ways that they could be who they are. Um, Cause they basically went from like, Oh, we're superheroes to we have to hide who we are because we're going to have to relocate over and over again. And then that, that final scene at the end of the movie where like Violet's like got her hair tucked behind her ears and she's talking to the boy. And then, uh, then Dash is racing and they're telling him, Oh, you know, only win by a little bit. You yeah. only win. You don't have to get, yeah. And they're letting him do his thing and they're figuring out how to be exceptional in a world where exceptionality um, isn't necessarily acceptable. And um, my thing that I would take from this is 
I want to let everybody know, like, if you think that you have a weird process or maybe people make fun of you for the way you think or the way that you do things, I just want to let you know that it's okay to be exceptional and you should embrace it. You should embrace your exceptionality, right? Like, you should... You should almost like every single one of us are so unique. And I think that, you know, that's something they kind of showed in the movie with like the people's different superpowers. We're all so unique and we're so, so exceptional. I think that we should just not be afraid to let that shine through. But I think what the movie really showed, I'm sorry, I'm rambling a a tad here, but I think that it also showed that you definitely need to be able to control it. Like you need to be able to have a respect for what you're capable of and you need to be able to control what your power. Mr. Incredible is so freaking strong. Like, he has to be able to control it. He can't just walk around and be that way all the time. I think it comes with being self-aware and knowing the room you're in. A thousand percent. Like, you have to know when you... I don't know. Like, when you walk into a room and you can try to... Which, I mean, you're not always going to know. But you have to try your best to figure out, is this a safe space? Can I be myself? Or do I need to hold back and do I need to maybe sit back and maybe not be the leader in the room, but maybe be more of a follower and like sit back and see what's going on before I engage in what's happening in the room. Yeah. Like well, what room am I in? And I'm called to be a follower and a supporter. Yeah. And being okay. Being like, uh, and I'm learning this right now. I'm 31 years old and I'm still learning this and I'm trying my best to get better at it. But there's certain rooms that I walk into where like my best role in that room is to be a follower. Yeah. My best role is to support the person leading. Say, Hey, what do you need me to do? What do you need from me? How can I help and yeah. then there's other rooms that I walk into where I need to lead the room and I need to be the person that takes control and takes charge. And I think that realizing and understanding which rooms you're in, I think that's great. And I think that this movie is kind of a clash, a crash course in in that for Mr. Incredible and for Helen. And I would even throw Frozone in there. It's like as superheroes at the beginning of the movie, wow, I just clocked this. Every emergency that arose, they went to. Yeah. Cat in a tree. Guy bombing a thing. Burglar. Robin thinks. They yeah. went to it. Maybe you don't have to do everything. Bomb Voyage, he probably should have stopped. That's that's a super villain. But the guy that stole someone's purse, the police can handle that. The cat in the tree, the fire department can handle that. You don't have to always be Mr. Incredible. No. You can something you know what I mean? There's there you don't have to always be the person. You don't have to be yeah. you don't have to always be the guy. And I think that's why I really, really, really just admire Mr. Incredible and I kind of relate to him is I kind of feel like I always have to be the guy and I'm trying to learn not to be you know yeah. I just always feel like I need to be the man um, but I mean like not the man like that yeah. but you know like you know I gotta be the guy I gotta be the, the person I gotta be the you gotta always be the one who's helping and doing and like yeah. saying and leading and you don't it's exhausting and I think that um, because Mr. Incredible Bob I, I don't know what I'm gonna call him I've been calling him I Bob like, I kind of like Bob <laughs> me too because um, Bob's incredible. Yeah. Just Even like Courtney's incredible. Bob is just such a like ordinary name. You it's know a no man I mean? name, but Literally. he's incredible. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. But anyway, so, but I think because Bob was like, he thought that he always had to be, like you're saying, like the guy, the one who did all the things and saved all the people and led the city and protected the city. And while, yes, Elastigirl, Frozone, like the other supers, like, did it with him he was in the mentality of like oh this has to be me i have to do this um even when they were saving people from the burning building he was like has to carry all the people like do all the things like you know what i mean he has to be the guy that destroys the omnidroid and all the things and so i feel like it almost like created this mentality where if he wasn't doing those things then he wasn't enough and that's why he was so um 
discontent in living a normal life because he wasn't doing the things he felt like he wasn't good enough to um I don't know what I'm trying to say like he wasn't I know, I know exactly what you're trying to say I, he I know wasn't like good he felt not good enough or and discontent in the life that he was living because he wasn't living up to his own standards and expectations that's exactly and it. I think it comes down to being self-aware enough to knowing like you're saying you don't always have to be the guy yeah. listen like yes he's strong yes he can do a lot of things but there's some things that he can't do you know what I mean like, as strong as he is, he can't do what a last girl can do, and he can't do what Violet does. Like, there no. was a time in the movie, yeah, like, yes, he's the strongest one in their family, but she saved them all. Violet saved them all when she put up the little force field around yep. them, and the people were trying to attack them. Yep. And if it wasn't for her, who knows what would have happened? Yep. So, like, you have to know that, like, well, yes, I'm strong and I can do a lot of things. You can't do it all. That's you're not meant to do it all. You you're not meant to carry it, it all. You're not meant to do it alone. Yeah. And so, I think. Being, learning to be okay with that and learning what you can do and being self-aware in your strengths and your weaknesses is going to create um, a more, you're going to be more satisfied and more content with yourself. Yeah, I agree. And and for those of you listening to us say this, I know it can be hard to like to do that. And I just want to let you know that like Courtney's really good at that, but I'm not. And so it's something that I'm actually actively working on. Um, I'll just be real in this moment. Like I struggle with workaholic tendencies. I struggle with always having to be the person in charge. I, I, I've been a leader for most of my life. And so it's really hard for me to, to step back and be a follower. And it's something that I'm trying to humble myself and do. And so, um, we talked about it after this movie was over for a little bit. And it's, it's this movie, even though it's a, uh, it's a Disney movie and a Pixar movie, it's something that kind of showed me a little window into myself. And I saw a lot of myself in Mr. Incredible and, and Bob, if you will. And I, uh, I, uh, I kind of learned from him, which is kind of cool, which is so funny that we're talking about this because you found these uh, these Disney uh, devotionals recently that look so cool, like finding the uh, finding the spiritual and the uh, the incredible and finding the um, the wisdom in Disney movies. Yeah, we were in a um, Chamberlain's. Yeah, in Chamberlain's in Jacksonville, and um, I was just going through it. I. Um, I don't know. I was just very intrigued. I knew we were getting books to get. Um, we're trying to like read a book a month. And so I was trying to find a book that I could read. Um, and I kind of wanted like a hodgepodge of books. Like I didn't want to read only true crime novels um, this whole year. Like I kind of wanted a little bit of a variety. And so I grabbed some true crime stuff. I even, I really love something, a fun fact about me. I really love um, like American history. And even like history regarding like different wars and things like that. I remember even in high school, like my favorite um, like essay or paper I ever wrote was like on espionage in the Cold War. And so like things like that and like things with the presidents, I don't know, it just really like intrigues me. And so I did get grab a couple of like, I grabbed an espionage book, but not like from like an American's perspective, but like almost... I don't remember exactly what country it was, but a European country espionage situation during, cool. during one of the wars. And I grabbed like some president's book, but then I also was in like the religion section and grabbed like a book on like the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then I grabbed this book called Gospel and Disney and I started reading it um, this past week while I was, um, I went to Dallas for my friend's bachelorette party and on the plane I started reading it. And it's a book that this pastor wrote about um, 
basically he takes early animated classics from Disney and kind of um, incorporates biblical principles and themes and like enmeshes them together and it's really cool and then um, one of our I posted it on Instagram and then one of our um, I guess friends um, responded back and was like oh like this is really cool like I actually found some like actual like Disney devotionals um, on Amazon like you should check them out and so they have like different ones like they have um, 100 daily devotionals for Disney World attractions or Disney and they have a Disneyland attraction one and then they actually have a Disney movie one which is really cool it's really cool I got a lot and I, I think that it kind of speaks to the fact that these movies are written with the intention of and I know that Disney gets a lot of flack for things and and honestly, I mean, I get it sometimes, but at the same time, I, I really love Disney and Pixar because of the simple fact that they, the message behind what they're trying to put out is positive and it's, it's good. And yeah. Good. And I was even talking to um, our friend Danielle and she was telling me that like, even though, because um, she didn't grow up a Christian, she grew up an atheist and she was saying like, even through watching, she grew up on Disney. So growing up watching Disney movies, they taught her a lot of good moral like character and good moral things and themes and stuff like that that she like implemented in her life so then when she started following God and like I don't know she could relate it very well because even though she didn't grow up yeah in in like a Christian world like she um I don't know she could still relate it as like an older I guess adult yeah, that's great. Not that, not like an older adult, but like I'm saying like yeah, as an adult. As a grown okay. person. As yeah. a grown person, thank yeah. you. Um, she could relate them because of the good moral theming throughout uh, throughout movies. So yeah. that's cool. Oh, that's great. I love that. Um, any other themes you want to? I don't know. I feel like I've already talked a lot about them about like. You have, yeah. As far as like, I don't know, Helen giving. Violet, almost like that starting confidence she needed to start walking and becoming herself. I think we all need it good. Yeah. Whether it's a parent or whether it's your spouse or your friend or... Your mentor, your boss. Mentor, boss. It's rare, but... Sibling. When your boss can do it for you, when your boss can look at you and be like, hey, you can do this and I believe in you. It doesn't happen often in this world we live in, but... Sure don't, but... Man. Yeah. I think it's important. I think also like um, having a good community and like they have with Frozone and like... um, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's really important and it like kind of shows, like I was saying earlier, I mean, and we kind of harped on it a little bit earlier, but like, um, if you don't have a good, if you have a good community around you, like the things that you can do when you come together, like the possibilities are kind of endless. But when you, um, <laughs> um, sorry, Jenny, like shook her ears and I just, I don't know, distracted me. She did it really funny with though. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I don't know, like, if you don't, like, I just don't think, to be honest, like, in my own personal opinion, like, if they didn't have a good relationship with the Frozone, or even a good relationship with each other and their own family, like... And their handler. And their handler, like, I don't, how they defeated the Omnidroid at the end, I don't think it would have happened. Yeah, I agree. They didn't have a strong bond and strong relationships within the community that they had. Which comes to show you, like, you don't have to have a huge community. You don't have to have a billion friends or... 
I would say all it's it you. takes is one friend. It's just one, but I would say it's the, it's the, I would throw Edna and there's her friends. Oh, so, yeah. I forgot about Edna. But I How would could say, you forget about Edna? But I, she just is not the one physically fighting with you there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would Which is fine too. You don't have to, you can, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Uh, <laughs> Courtney, my whole life is interrupting you. So you interrupt me all that you want. Um, um, but I actually love that we've reached a place where you're interrupting me instead of me interrupting you. Um, I just be talking. <laughs> <laughs> TJ talks a lot. I don't really talk that much, but I am the talkative one. But what I would say is, is that um... oh man, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. I'm gonna talk. Go. I feel like what Edna shows us is that, like, you can, I guess, in their sense, like, be a part of the crime fighting without actually be a crime fighter. Yes. And yeah, like. I, I think it, again, comes back to being self-aware, knowing your strengths. Like, obviously, she's this short little gal who, I don't know, is really, like, technologically and, like, fashionly sound. And so... No capes. She, no capes. <laughs> um, she knows that she can't go out there and fight, like, Mr. Incredible or, like, Elastigirl or, like, Frozone. But she knows what her strengths are, and she supports them in the way that she can and it really benefits all of them. It benefits all of them. It benefits her. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's great because it's like uh, the people that build and design cars don't drive every car that they build. But they still build them, right? Yeah. And what would, what, what would we drive if people didn't build cars, right? Exactly. The person that builds a fighter jet that wins the war, they don't fly the plane. No. They don't, they don't shoot the missile. But if they didn't build the plane, what happened? And it's very important. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I just, good. you don't have to do the thing to actually, actually like be successful. Or, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you don't have to be the person that does everything to, to, to be successful. Like you, you can just be supportive of someone else doing, doing that thing in whatever way that you can be supportive in it. Yeah. We don't have to get too like, you know, biblical or Christian, but like that scripture, I always love it. It says one plants, one, one waters, but God gives the increase. Mm. It's multiple parts working together that make things work. And then there's a lot of wisdom in scripture, whether, whether you believe in God or not, whether you're a Christian or not, there's a lot of wisdom in, in the Bible. And that, that's something that I, I use that all the time, even at work. Yeah. One plants, one waters, God gives the increase. Uh, it's multiple parts working together to, yeah. to make things come together. Um, and so, and so, yeah, you, you, uh, you have a part to play and play your part. Yeah. Do what you're supposed to do. Um, what do we eat or drink during this movie? I don't remember. I actually don't need to be watching on Monday, which is rare for us. Yeah. But I went By the way, it's, it's Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Courtney had a, had a long weekend, so we recorded or so we watched the movie early. They were recording today, but um. Did we? I think we ate veggie pasta. We did. That's exactly what we did. We did veggie pasta, and then we had our normal. We're we're uh we're done with our twenty one days of like fasting in quotation marks. So I'm pretty sure because yeah, I'm. We were fasting. I don't know why I say it like that. Huh? I don't know why I say it like that, but we were fasting. We were fasting. I did, uh, I think I just had, because I, I, one thing I fasted during the fast was I didn't drink any beer or whiskey, mm. um, or gin or anything for that matter, so um, this whole week I've just been really enjoying uh, whiskey on the rocks with with, uh, with ice, and, or that's what the rocks means, but whiskey on the rocks with water. Um, it's been really good, so that's what I had during the movie. Yeah. Do you remember what you drank? I think you just had seltzers. I think I had a high noon. Yeah, it was good. 
Um, this movie's incredible. <laughs> it was really good. I, I, uh, it's one of my favorite movies ever. I, I wish we watched it more. Um, I realized that as we were watching, I was like, dang, we should watch the movie more often. It's really, really good. Um, it really speaks yeah. to me a lot. I really feel, um, I really feel a lot of the pain that Mr. Incredible feels. Um, and I really feel a lot of the relatability there. And I just, yeah. I just like his, I like the whole movie and the way the family operates together and all that kind of stuff. It's just a really good movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it and we just spoiled it for you, still go watch it. Um, if you have seen it, go watch it again. Um, what do we got coming up the rest of this month? I don't know. I have a question first. Okay. In the month of January. Is it's over. Yes, yeah, next month. So. Yeah. Um, I, so obviously you, we both talked about how we both think you relate to Mr. Incredible. Yeah. What character, what incredible family member do you think I am most like? Oh, you just dropped my memory because I have a question after that. Um, you're a combination of Violet and Elastigirl. Elaborate. So, you stretch more than people think you do. Okay. A lot more than people think you do. And you carry a lot more weight than people think you do and you hold it together really well. But I actually think that you are Violet mostly and I'll tell you why. You have this immense power and this immense wisdom and this immense just aura about you. And sometimes, and don't throw something at me, I feel like you hold it back. And it's always there. And there are times when it comes out, and when it comes out, it just shakes the world around you. Um, you have this ability to just create safe spaces, this ability to to blend in. But while you're blending in, you just make things better, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people may not even see what you're doing, but it makes things better. Um, you always are okay taking a backseat. And I don't even understand that because I hate being in the backseat. But you have this really ridiculous ability to just sit in the backseat and still make things better. Um, so I, I really really think that you're like 65% Violet and then the rest um, Elastigirl because you also stretch um, and you hold things and you yeah you just create something out of nothing like Elastigirl does like there's nothing there and then it's just I'm a boat now <laughs> okay I'm an umbra- I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parachute you. now yeah. yeah that's that's just you um, like I'm really strong and I'm really that's why I'm Mr. Incredible. I'm really strong. I'm very dynamic. I would also say you're almost like a little bit of Jack Jack in the sense that you kind of like shape shift and. I would agree with that. I also think I'm a little bit of Dash too. Arrogant. <laughs> yeah, arrogant, fast. I process things super fast. I like to move fast. I don't like to wait. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's funny, I was going to ask you if, if, if you... Uh, obviously, no one's one of these characters. They're all, no. ex- they're all extremes, right? It's like watching Friends or Seinfeld. No one's no one's Ross. No one's Chandler. Most people are a combination of both because these characters... I feel char- like I'm Rachel. You're not. You're com- you probably think I'm Phoebe. <laughs> you're a combination of all three of the girls. Um, like on, on I don't Friends, think I'm Monica at all. <laughs> you're more Monica than you think you are. Okay, bye. Yeah, Rachel's not very intelligent, and you're highly intelligent. Um, 
I like for friends, I'd say I'm a combination of uh, I'd say I'm a combination of Chandler and Ross, probably. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So here's a cool thing. People about, think they're Joey, but they're not. No, I mean most people aren't Joey. Corey, I love you. You're Joey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Corey is Joey. Yeah, it was a little bit of Chandler. He's funny. You might not think he's funny because you're your brother, but I think Corey's freaking hilarious. Um, and smarter than people give him credit for, honestly. Okay. Um, but when you watch movies and sitcoms and TV shows, and it's all extremes of those characters, right? So yeah. in reality, you can't really relate to one of them. That's the beauty of it. You relate to all of them yeah. because they're a little piece of you. Like I relate to Mr. Incredible about 70%, but I also relate to Jack-Jack a little bit. Like you said, I actually really do. Like I'm very flexible and I can mold myself. I, I shapeshift into the situation I'm in. But then Dash is like kind of my personality. Like fast moving, quick thinking. Very like witty. Witty closes his eyes and just runs over the water. Like that's yeah. me. Like that's how I am. I don't. I don't like. I you just, don't think about it. You just go. I just go. Um, like you, when you brought this podcast to me, we brought, thought about it before. You said, "Hey, I want to do a podcast. Like, what do you think we should do?" And I think two weeks later, we recorded our first episode. Like you bring me an idea and you say you want to do something and I, you just make it happen. I'll take it to the world. Like if you want to do something, I'll take it to the world. If you bring me an idea and you want to, and you want it to get out there, you better be ready to move because if you bring me something, I'm going to move and I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen fast. Um, but yeah, I would say you're, you're, you're definitely a combination of Elastigirl and, um, and Violet. With maybe a little bit of Edna. Um, Love Edna. All right, this is no the, capes. this is the um, no capes. This is the best question, and this is the moment we should have spent the most time on, but we're not because we're at the end of the episode. If you could pick one person's superpower from this movie to have, mm. what superpower would it be? I was not prepared for this question. I know. I thought about it and didn't mention it to you because I'm awesome and devious. It's a hard question, actually. Do you know your answer? No. Well? I mean, I do. It is hard to say. I would either pick uh, Dashes or Mr. Incredibles. I love being fast. I love it. I think, okay. I'd go play for the NFL and be unbeatable. Also, if you're Mr. Incredible, you could also play for the NFL and be unbeatable. Another job he could have let him do. Why couldn't he just have been an offensive lineman? He could have blocked the whole defense. Or a quarterback. He'd throw the ball like 300 yards. Okay, well, here's the thing. We're just assuming that they have professional football in their little world. Maybe they don't. (sighs) True. Okay. Superpower. If you get out of this movie, you can't, like, make one up. It's got to be out of this movie. Okay. Here's my thing. Uh Uh-huh. I have a few things. Uh Uh-huh. I'm very nosy. Violet. And I want to know all the things. So, so I would want to be invisible and be Violet so I can go around and know all, all the people's business. That makes sense. That Actually, that super hard fits you. Um, it does. I also think that um, Frozone's power is super cool. I can just like <laughs> breathe ice and shoot out... Yeah, Does he like shoot out ice from his arm cool. like Spider-Man? Like he can, yeah. He I think it's really he cool. manipulates the water in the air and he manipulates the water in his body. He basically can freeze and control water, which is really cool. It's really cool. Um, I don't know. Violet's a good power for you. I think I think I agree. Yeah. 
If I could be Dash and Mr. Incredible in one, that'd be like ideal. You said you can only pick one. All right, Mr. Incredible. Okay. I'd go play for the NFL. I'd be Rob Gronkowski. Knocking people over, catching the football. Gronk's the best. Gronk's, uh, by the way, BT Dubs, Gronk is Courtney's favorite football player. He doesn't play football anymore. To your eyes. Big sad. But yeah, I love that you really identified with him because people misunderstand him a lot. He's such a, like, he's such a fun guy. He is. I also feel like I'm misunderstood a lot because I'm quiet. So people think I'm like. You know what's similar about you and him in that way? Not to compare you to Robert Johnson, but people look at him because he likes to have fun and dance and stuff and think he's just a big, dumb idiot. Yeah. But if you talk to Brady, like, Brady was like, no, he's the smartest person on the field. I don't think you can play professional football at a high level and be dumb. At a high level, you're a thousand percent right. People that play for two years and then get cut, it's because they don't do the work. Yeah, you have to put in the work. You have to, you have to be smart and intelligent. And maybe it's not like, I don't know, you're not coding websites and apps and all the things that like you don't have to be like it's like a different kind of intelligence you know what i mean it's a reactionary smartness because it, it, you got the defense lined up against you and then um and then brady calls an audible or manning or whoever i just say brady because my favorite player but brady calls an audible and all of a sudden you have to end the 300 plays you have in your head you have to know what he's saying and yeah. run the right route in the and like, gronk never within missed. like an instant gronk never missed he never did. edelman never missed that was my biggest frustration soapbox real quick on this tampa bay season last year is like these they, they couldn't get it together like they, they just couldn't them. they could not get it together it was ridiculous they had like one or two games that gave us hope and then i was like oh no it's not it's not yeah. happening it's not a thing yeah anyways this is not a football podcast it's, it's not a disney podcast um <laughs> so i think we kind of already said our closing thoughts we love this movie it just is such a good movie because here's the thing if you want to get something out of this movie you can get something out of this movie but if you just want to watch this movie for enjoyment you can do that as well a thousand percent which i think is important because you don't always have to watch a movie to get something out of it you can just watch a movie to watch a movie because you need it on in the background or for enjoyment or you're just because you're trying to get out your head out of your own world like yeah like i used to toy story for that toy story has deeper meanings but i can also just turn it on exactly like if you're looking for something deep you can get something deep but if you don't care and you're just watching it to watch. A thousand percent. It's really, really good. So what we're about to talk about for the last like maybe three minutes before we close out is my favorite part of the podcast these days, which is kind of funny. I want to talk about what we got coming up because I just love the things we're going to be talking about, what we're going to be doing, what we're going to be doing. February is going to be fun. We are doing, this could be super in the wrong order. It's okay. As long as you know the movies, it's fine. Because you know how it is with guests and stuff. We could change anyways. We are doing Princess and the Frog. We're doing Lady and the Tramp. We're doing Soul. And I can't remember the last one. Where's your planner? In my car. It was in your car last time. Yeah. Go grab it real quick. Okay, bear me. So the cool thing is um, I think we're going to have, I know we're going to have a guest on for Soul, um, a really good friend, Julian. Um, he plays drums um, with me at church, with us at church. And uh, he's a phenomenal drummer, phenomenal musician. And um, he loves movie Soul. So we're going to have him on for Soul. Um, so come over record with us. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be uh, really, really fun. Um all the movies are doing in February. Like Lady and the Tramp, I haven't seen since I was a little kid, so I'm really excited to talk about that one. Um, 
Soul has probably become one of my top favorite movies. And then she just got the book and she realized. <laughs> okay. Here's the actual order that we're doing in the men. Oh, no, I think I said it right. Yeah, Princess and the Frog, then Lady and the Tramp, because Lady and the Tramp is going to be like our Valentine. Valentine's Day Day movie. And then um, we're going to do Soul. And then we're going to close out the month with The Parent Trap. Ooh. The Lindsay Lohan version. Yeah. The only. No, there's another version. It's older. I know. That's the version I grew up watching. The same. The the, the Lindsay Lohan version came out. Um, Wait, you grew up on the Lindsay Lohan version or you watched the other one? Oh, I've only seen the Lindsay Lohan one. The older version. It's a great movie, though. Great concept. Yeah, for um, sure. Any closing thoughts? Mm, no. Same. This movie <laughs> I was, said all I wanted to say. This movie was fantastic. A lot of fun. I agree. I could talk about it for a lot longer, honestly. Um, but That'd be it. we're not going to. We don't got time for that. No. Hey, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for listening to us ramble and talk and have a good time. Um, we love doing this, and... Uh, we love that you listen to it, and we love that you care about it, too. Um, Courtney, why don't you tell them where they can reach out to us if they have any ideas or feedback they want to give? You can follow us on Instagram at wishuponasparks. You can email us at wishuponasparks at gmail.com. Yeah, that'd be it. Feel free to reach out. <laughs> that'd be it. Let um, us know if there's any movies you want to see. Thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, we do this because we love it, and we hope you love it, too. Um, and until next time, when we come back with um, Princess and the Frog. Frog. I hope you have a You've never day. seen it. I haven't. It's going to be fun. I haven't seen Princess and the Frog. I'm excited to watch it. Um, until we see you next week for Princess and the Frog, um, happy Magical Monday. And uh, happy Magical every day of the week. I hope you have a magical every single day that you wake up yeah. um, this next week. And that we can't wait to see you next week. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye, friends. <laughs>